podcast listeners. Welcome back to the Sunday recap. Hope you're doing well this morning or afternoon or evening or wherever you listen to your podcast. For me, it's on my lawnmower. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite place. Hop on that riding lawnmower. Nothing makes you think about God than the like low, dull buzz oh, of, man. of killing grass tops. Yeah, it's, it's me out in nature, you know, <laughs> in my my neighborhood. I will agree. My, my best podcasting time is when I'm mowing the lawn, and it's really because I don't have a long enough commute. Yes. I need a longer commute so that I can have more podcasting. You time. need to move down to the country. To the country? Yeah. Now, I'm telling you, I mean, I have a, we have a little over half an acre, but I have a riding lawnmower. So it takes me like 45 minutes to cut the yard. <laughs> I zoom in that thing. But no, seriously. So if you see us this week, tell us your favorite place to listen to podcasts. That's right. Yeah. yeah where where are you know. listening to this this week? Yeah. Um, so let us know. I also listen to podcasts in the shower. So that's my second place. Same. Yeah, and- Same. Probably yeah. didn't the, want to know that. So but. we have this little, we have, well, there's this little, there's this little corner that I can place it in and it like the sound just like goes throughout the whole shower. Nice. Oh, acoustic. Yeah, great acoustics. That's awesome. So it's super cool. Well, so yeah. Well, Hey guys, what do we have going on in the life of our church? Right oh now? man, we're about to launch into the go together series. We're like two weeks out from mm-hmm. getting into this. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm excited. This is going to be something I think is really cool for the life of our church. Just talking through one thing as a church, both on Sundays and during the week. And um, and and so the environments that we have ready for you to jump into are all set. We, we, we're just like, hey guys, get signed up. That's all, mm-hmm. that's all that we're doing yeah. right now is get signed up, get yourself into one of these environments. Yeah. Again, kind of like we were saying last week, we just want everybody to go on this experience with us. Yeah. So if you're, you know, not in a Bible study with our church or you're not in a D group, now's the time to hop into one. Right. So if you have questions about what's the right environment for you, I mean, you can ask any of the three of us. Mm-hmm. We'd love to kind of help answer those questions and point you in the right direction. But I would encourage you, even before you get your questions answered, just sign up. And then we'll answer your questions there after that. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do that at stonescrossing.com slash go together. Go together. There it is. Yep. There it is. Yep. But hey, if you ever have a question about what's going on, stonescrossing.com slash events, they're there on our website telling you what's the next thing that's coming up. Today, we're going to be jumping into a conversation uh, based off of the sermon on Sunday. We had a guest speaker this week. His name was Adrian Burden, uh, visiting us from North Carolina. I got a chance to uh, talk with him briefly before he spoke. You know, this guy travels all the time. He was telling me in 2019, he was only home two weeks out of the year. And I was wow. like, what? That's amazing. But this is his ministry. This is what he does. He travels around the world and um, he's also a Spanish speaker. He spoke a little Spanish on Sunday mm-hmm. as well, yeah. but he goes to all different countries and preaches the gospel. And 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 some of the things that he's really engaged in now is uh, with what's going on in the world is uh, racial reconciliation and things yeah. like that. And, um, and so it was a real blessing, I think, to hear him this week. There was a lot of really good things that he talked mm-hmm. about. So that's what we want to, want to dig in today. But I want to ask you guys as we're as we're getting getting started with this, and I, I don't know, if this is much of a uh, fun introductory question as much as it is like just hey, we need to get to, into the meat of the topic. Yeah. But um, why do you think? Because it, it seems like Sunday mornings. One of the things that he pointed out, and I've heard it before, but how Sunday mornings are the most racially divided day of the week, hmm. right? Because churches seem to segregate into white churches, black churches, whatever. Okay. Why do you think that is? What is what is the thing that is that really keeps churches separate when we really should be more unified? Mm-hmm. 
You got an idea? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, so a couple quick thoughts. So the first thought is again, um, worship tends to be a cultural expression towards God. So I I think when our cultures are separated, I think that affects what our worship looks like. Mm -hmm. So because our culture isn't more, um, let's say interracial, um, probably the right word, that we see churches divide because their expression of worship towards God looks radically different. Yeah, let's unpack that a little bit more because when we talk about a culture, first of all, let's maybe define, Mm -hmm. help us to understand that a little bit and help us to understand how white culture is maybe different than black culture in a way because that seems to be what's really at stake here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I say a culture is any group of people who have a common a common denominator, something that they share in common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you talk about worship being a culture and, and different people, different people groups worshiping differently, I even see that within races. So, I mean, we're talking about different types of mm-hmm. people um, and where they feel comfortable with in the way they worship, you know, maybe being part of a certain church because that is that is what they're looking for. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I would say um, if you've ever been to an African American church, it mm-hmm. is is lively. It's like super long and awesome worship time, <laughs> um, and, and and so there are is definitely a different um, a different like flow of service. I, I think you're right. I mean, the 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 separation there really kind of falls along those lines. Like like you know um, that when it comes down to worship and communication. Those those things are are kind of what keeps us mm-hmm. kind of in some different camps, which is which is, I mean, in some ways it could be great, but in other ways it's also really sad because it seems like the church should be more unified. Yeah, that's why I would say like the healthy aspect of it is that there is um, genuine worship being expressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you should go into a different culture if you're traveling around the world or even traveling through America, and worship should look a little bit different yeah. because if mm-hmm. it's a genuine expression of your heart towards God, then it's going to look different than someone else's. So like, that's the healthy side, but where it becomes a problem is when, okay, why, like, that's not what worship will look like in heaven. So therefore, if you cannot deal with a different expression of worship, you know, Mm -hmm. if you start to be like, I can't see how anybody could worship in that way, or why is it so divided? Well, again, talking about our cultures being divided, a lot of it has to do with you know, where do people, where do the people of different races live in society? You know, if we had a more diverse um, society, then we may see more people worshiping together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like yeah. we were looking this up recently, um, it's like 94% of people in Greenwood are, um, are white, mm-hmm. Caucasian, uh, 94%. Um, there is um, only 2,000 African-American people in the city of Greenwood altogether. So you start to get into, okay, well, you could say, well, then that makes sense. We're kind of a somewhat, as a church, we're somewhat of an accurate representation yeah. of, our, of our community. And you would say, you would go, okay, that makes sense. But then when you break it down a little bit farther yeah. and you say, okay, historically, why is that the case? Right. Well, then you start to get into things like busing and you start to see that, okay, where did they stop the lines for busing? Okay, County Line Road. Mm-hmm. So you see that a lot of, you know, white flight, you see a lot of families that moved south of County Line so that their kids didn't have to go to school with African-American kids. Right. So there's this generational piece yep. that we're forced to deal with that says, why is there not diversity in our worship? Right. Well, it's could be 
you could argue that it's because of generational sin of people trying to avoid living in a diverse society. And that's why we don't have these, um, maybe we have a monolithic expression of worship, Mm -hmm. meaning that we have one way that worship looks in our church and we don't have multiple ways that worship looks because our society very much looks that way. Right. Now, one of the things that Adrian Burden really pointed out was this idea that we have biases mm-hmm. towards towards certain things. And, and, and I think his point was very well taken, this idea that we really at our core believe that we're, you know, we're superior mm-hmm. <laughs> to other people or that there's um, we have a superior version of politics, economics, um, even theology. Right. Like, like we we. That's that's just part of our, our our wrestling with the flesh in a lot of ways. Um, the way that he that he started out was kind of interesting and a little bit convicting because he asked those, those questions. He asked like, you know, do you you know do you like this kind of ice cream or this kind of ice cream and this sort of stuff, you know which is better? Shocked how many Ford fans we had. That really surprised me. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I thought we'd yeah. have more Chevy fans. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, but um, but it is interesting because I think that we have the tendency to think that we don't actually have those biases. Mm-hmm. But the way that he pointed that out, I think was very convicting because I think it shows that, that we actually do hold those biases and that's, that's a problem. So the question is, is we know that that's part of our, our sinful flesh, our sinful mm-hmm. nature is, is to have these biases, but does that develop um, just in a vacuum or does that come from something? Do, do these biases sort of appear from the way that we're raised or our environment or things like that? Where mm-hmm. do you think that kind of stems from? I think that there's a root issue of pride. Um, I think that, you know, if you look back at the fall, you know that that Adam and Eve chose that their their idea was bigger than what God had told them. Mm-hmm. And so they, they decided they would sin, they would, they would rebel because they didn't trust that God had their best interest in mind. Yeah. And so there already you have two people who think that they're idea, their bias is better than what the creator of the universe had for them. Right. And so it starts there and then it just, it just spirals down. And so it is in each one of us that we're, um, that we're self-centered. So we're, we, um, instead of looking to God for, um, as the giver of all good things, we start to think, okay, the good things I have or the good things that I am, um, talented at are things that I have achieved. And, um, and we forget about the creator yeah. who, who gave them to us. And, um, and so then we start to get a little bit of pride about, about who we are. And, um, and then that is just, it outflows into all the things that we choose and the thoughts that we have about, about our biases. Yeah. I think, I think Ariel said it really well, but I think, I think Chris, it's all the above is kind of what you said. You know, we have this propensity to sin, mm-hmm. um, that we sometimes um, is easy for us to deny because we have pride and we want to make much of ourselves. But um, man, it's it's formed by our culture in ways that we don't even know, that we don't even realize. Um, you know, growing up in certain schools with certain you know expressions, being around certain people, certainly has formed the way that I see the world. Yeah. Um, and for other people, it's the exact opposite. Um, so I think that contributes to it. It's the way that we're raised. Um, sometimes it's even generational in the sense that like we're dealing with things that will have a propensity to sin. It'll be more likely that we deal with this sin than someone else, mm-hmm. you sure. know, um, like alcoholism is a good example oh, of yeah. that, you know, where it's like some people, they are more drawn 
to that struggle than someone else may be. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, we're formed by all these ways. But as Ariel said, the most important thing to know is that, again, um, the root of sin in our life is deep. um, And we are at battle with that um, continually. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I love that he went to the Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel story, to, yeah. to, to talk about the root of sin here. What, what I think is so good about th- this is, is, first of all, the context. You know, all through the beginning of Genesis, this is called, uh, the first 11 chapters typically is called the primeval history. And in the primeval history, you have the story of sin being being born into the world and how it perpetuates itself, um, how it grows and develops. And even with the flood, you know, you have um, all of humanity being wiped out except for one family, and yet sin continues. Mm-hmm. Sin sin cannot be eradicated uh, that way. And so what, what I think is really interesting too is this idea of uh, – of what what the people of Babel were trying to do, that they're trying to build a city, they're trying to make their name great, they're trying to make themselves known, make a name for themselves. And this isn't new, this goes all the way back to Cain. Uh, so right after Cain and Abel, um, and, there, and Cain kills Abel and all that stuff. And he goes and it says that he builds a city in Genesis 4, 17. Um, in Genesis 10, there's a one of the sons of Ham, his name is Nimrod. He goes and he builds a city. He says a, a kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Babel appears. Um, and then you have this great city with this tower or whatever it is. And what, what's fascinating is it's not that cities inherently are bad. I, I think with that, what the story is trying to show us is that they're building these cities in order to try to, to really make themselves great. Yeah, when, when God has promised them that he will make their name great. Exactly. Because the very next thing that happens after Babel is Abraham. Abraham enters into the scene and, and God says, I'm going to make you into mm-hmm. a great nation and I will make your name great. Right? He's like, I'm going to build a family. I'm going to build a kingdom, but I'm going to do it on my terms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not going to be a human family, a human kingdom. It's going to be a, a, a kingdom of God. You know, something else that's a neat observation about that text is that um, God had given them the cultural mandate, which was to be fruitful and multiply. And so then you have all these people who, instead of dispersing across the earth and multiplying, are trying to knit together and stay close together, uh-huh. possibly in response to the flood. And I think Adrian even brought this up. He said that they built this tower because they knew they were, you know, if he was going to flood the world again, sure. they wanted to try to escape it. It's but, interesting. I've never heard that yeah, before. Yeah, I hadn't either, but it, it <laughs> yeah, is interesting. That's a new interpretation. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but they were, you know, people were not spreading out. They were not you know, filling the earth. Yeah. They were trying to stick together. And, and and what I thought was so fascinating is that Adrian did point out um, that God remarks about their unity, mm-hmm. in which he does. Um, these people are unified, but they're unified in their sin. And so they are like conquering this together in yeah. their sin. And I just think that's so interesting that, um, you know, that things are not so different today that, uh, that oftentimes we are quite unified in our sin. Absolutely. I think unity in the church and unity amongst people is still the goal, right? Absolutely. But there's a difference. There's a huge difference because when we seek unity on our own terms, um, we, we have to seek it on some sort of common ground. And the common ground that we have with one another ultimately really just comes down to our sin, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But if we're seeking unity based on our co- the common ground that we have the same father, 
you know, that, that the Lord has, has made us his children and that we are knit together as brothers and sisters in Christ. When we have a unity that's founded on that, that is a fantastic uh, place to find unity. Um, it's really the only safe place to find unity with one another. And what I think too is um, this is what exactly what Jesus prays for. And, he, and Jesus prays for us in this, in John 17. This is the high priestly prayer. And this is what he says. This is John 17, 20. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So, so he's, he's not saying, he's saying not just, I'm not just praying for the disciples. I'm praying for those who will believe through them. And that's us. Like we're reading the word of the, of the words of the disciples in the, in the New Testament. And so he says, I, I'm praying for those people that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the goal of this unity is actually for the spread of the gospel. <laughs> like mm -hmm. the goal of this is, is that not that our name would be made great, but that God's name would be made great. Yeah, so thinking about um, people's boasting in their own in their own pride and just that root of evil that's in us, and then we can't deny that. First of all, um, it's it's we are all born in sin due to to Adam's fall, and so um, there's this passage in Jeremiah that I think th kind of sums up what. Um, what this is getting to the heart of, and it says, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, mm -hmm. justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. And so what I think we see with our with our heated racial justice debate is that we see people crying out for steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, but we're looking to other people to fulfill that need rather than the Lord, who is the one who practices those things. One of the things that Adrian brought up was is over and over again is that really this is a spiritual issue. Um, and, and the problem is, is that our uh, our people are crying out for these things, for, for mm -hmm. righteousness and justice and whatnot, but they're not looking to God for those things. They're looking to their governments in order to provide those things. And so the, the, what's happening is we have governments that are trying to create legislation in order to handle a spiritual issue. They're trying to, and, and, but, but when you think about it in that context, we, you know, any amount of legislation cannot actually do anything to, yeah. to actually help the problem. Maybe it could help to mitigate some of the effects of the problem, right. but it can't actually solve the problem. And that's the issue. I wanna play a clip from just something that he said on this really quick. Let's go ahead and listen to it. A statement that I want us to remember. Upon being dispersed at the Tower of Babel, their languages changed, but their hearts of superiority did not change. You do not see that God, their hearts didn't change. They were a group of people trying to be better than God. They were going to be like God. They were going to be superior. But God changed their languages. But after God changed their languages, it doesn't mean they just lost that ambition of, well, looks like we're not going to be the best anymore. That's not what happened. 
Now the battle began, and you see all through Scripture where people groups are going to be better than other people groups. Our way of living is superior than your way of living. Your cultural context is not as good as mine. Because look at my economy. Look at our protection. Look at whatever you want to say is that now the superiority game has gone nowhere. And to say that's not inside of us, you have to deny. In Genesis chapter number 11, and as you go through all of scripture, of all through history, of battles between groups of people, that somehow in the 21st century, we've gotten over it. Somehow in the 21st century, where we're saying things are getting worse and worse and worse, etc., etc., that this area has not gotten any worse. He, he really, I think, makes a great point that this is a deep spiritual issue, mm-hmm. and we think that we're better than it. We're better than this spiritual yeah. issue. We think we've gotten over it, but we can't. So I guess I want to ask, you know, we've already talked about how this is a spiritual issue, but what is then the role of legislation, the role of government in handling this issue? Does it have a role? Should it have a role? What do you guys think on that? My first thought is the justice system. Mm-hmm. You know, like the government, um, it, it's not It's not that God's design for society is that there is no government or there is no role to play. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't want to get political when I say this. So I'm not saying a minimized role from what it is right now. And I don't mean that in like a conservative or liberal stance. Yeah. But um, I mean that if the church was doing what it should be doing, right. the government would not be needed to do the things that it is doing. Yeah. Um, and so I do think it's the church's role to speak into these issues. Um, and I think that's one of the concerns you're saying earlier, Chris, is people are looking for someone to listen to them. And um, the general sense of society, I'm not saying this is in our context per se, the general sense in society is that the church isn't listening. The church yeah. isn't hearing their position. Um, and because of that, they're looking to, for people to listen somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so um, the government does have a role to play. Um, I think it's in legislation. I think it's in the justice system. I think it's in law. Um, but when it comes to dealing with the hard issues or addressing people's um, spiritual concerns, and I would even go to their physical needs, mm-hmm. um, I think the churches should be taking a more active role in that mm-hmm. than it currently is. But we're so deep um, into that hole of relying on the government for things, whether it be physical needs, that we um, it almost seems unrealistic for people to get out of that. But I think, you know, when I think about God's design for society, um, if the church was playing the role it's supposed to play and the government was playing the role that it's supposed to play, we wouldn't have a lot of these concerns that we have right now. Mm. To go back to that passage in Jeremiah, people are longing for justice and they're longing for righteousness, but they don't want it to be from God, you know? So we've removed God from the picture and we separate church and state so far that, um, now we have a demand on society that cannot be fulfilled. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So a divine answer that cannot come from humanity. Um, and it comes from, I think, the worldview that we're all inherently good and that we can that we can get better and better over time. Yeah. And that eventually we will perfect this thing called humanity and we will finally pull ourselves up from by our bootstraps and be kind to one another and everyone will get along and overcome. Exactly. Um, But truly the heart of the Christian is knowing 
that I humble myself because I realize in myself I cannot overcome sin without the power of the Spirit of God. Yeah. Yeah. And justice doesn't exist apart from Christ, and that's what we need to show the world, is that one day there will be a new earth where things are made right. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's the only opportunity to have a picture of justice, but the world doesn't hear that message. You know, they don't right. they don't right. hear that often in this debate. Yeah. They hear what's the best we can do to make it feel the best that we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's all that government can offer. That's all that law can offer. But Christ can offer a picture where it's like one day these problems that we see will be no more disease won't exist. Yeah. COVID won't be a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you won't have racial injustice. In fact, you won't be having a conversation about diversity and worship within churches because we'll all be worshiping God together. Right. Um, and so I think I think that reality is what we need to have and what we need to be sharing with people. Yeah. Um, that that is that is the hope that we have in Christ is that one day we will see the world made right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's the promise. That's the mm-hmm. promise of the new heavens and new earth. Man, I could talk about that forever. That's so, it's yeah. so good. <laughs> so, so I think, but practically, I think what we're saying too is that the church has a role to play in these things. Yes. And we mm-hmm. see it sometimes. So so one of the things that I love about being in Indiana is that we have the largest non-government run homeless shelter in the United States mm-hmm. um, in right. Wheeler Mission. Okay. Um, it, is, it is completely privately funded and mostly funded by churches. Well, why? Because the church's role in society is to take care of the poor, to take care of the widow, to yeah. take care of the homeless. Let's, so, d- let's dig into that yeah. a little bit. What is the role that we are supposed to play? So Adrian, I want to play another clip from, from yeah. the sermon on Sunday where he talked about how the church really should begin to, uh, to, to step up into this, into this role. But do you know what you always got to be? Be ready. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying is this, is there are many of you that can go out here and there's nothing, really nothing. What can you do to protect this animal? What can you do? Social media warrior, what can you do? Sometimes you're going to go home and just be ready. But honey, one day the joke's going to drop down at work and guess what? It's time for you to step up and hit that ball. One day you're going to be the family union instead of just going ha, 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 ha to what you know to be is something that is a heart of superiority from one person to another group of people, especially if they are believers in Christ. To step up and say something. You know, what I have found for me is like people I totally disagree with. I have found this is my line, and I've been using it. Can I take you out to eat? Can I take you out to eat? See, it's easy to fire those little, those little one-liners all day long, but when you're willing to just be able to sit down with somebody and show them love and be able to understand where they're coming from because everybody has a story, I believe you see those barriers come down. So what I'm saying is then is that we have a choice. As other God, we have a choice to believe. We have a responsibility. And when you see Christ lived out in us, well, obviously we see the gospel then happen. Christ comes inside of us. And then when you see the gospel lived out, Jesus Christ lives inside of us. And the result is this. You walk around this world and do what you see. You see black Jesuses and white Jesuses and Asian Jesuses. Do you know why? Because Christ is living inside of us. His work is doing it and we are seeing the power of the gospel living out from us and as we then see an entire color palette you see the church of the living God transcending culture itself coming to the point where we can then get beyond these external nonsense and understand we're part of the body of Christ yeah so the hope that we have mm-hmm. is a hope for the future for when Christ returns yeah. the new heavens and new earth but there's a hope even here and now because the church as the church does the things that we are called to be doing we can begin to see a glimpse mm-hmm. of what the new heavens and new earth are going to be like here and now and and, and so he said uh, two things he said he said one you know be empathetic 
beyond our understanding is, mm-hmm. is one, one application point that he had. Um, and then the other that he said is to be ready to stand up for truth. Mm-hmm. So my question in this is, man, it is just a, an emotionally charged conversation to step into. How do we do that with grace? I think it starts with being good listeners. Mm-hmm. I think that's step one. Yeah. Um, I think, I think again, I'm, I'm not denying anything that, you know, individuals believe about certain issues that they are in the right position or not, but are they willing to listen um, to someone that's either on the other side um, or looks different from them? Um, I was talking to a pastor a couple of weeks ago, um, an African-American pastor in our city, and he said, you know, we were talking about Black Lives Matter, and he was talking about why are so many people bought into this movement um, that may, you know, have all these other political ties to it and all these things going on. And he, you know, as an older gentleman said, it's no different than Malcolm X. You know, what he was sharing was that the nation of Islam, while people didn't really buy in, you know, to um, being Muslim, they bought into that there was a voice that seemed to identify and listen to them. Um, And so they were willing to sit all these things aside that they maybe didn't agree with, you know, and sometimes they even bought into those things because they were willing to listen to them. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what we see with Black Lives Matter. While there might be aspects of this organization that are not right, they seem to be the listening ear the empathetic ear. And so the question is, okay, do we present a front of, of empathy to where we're willing, as best as we can, you know, we were talking about empathy before this, which means being able to actually put on someone's shoes. And sometimes we can't do that, but are we willing to listen? Are you willing to hear where somebody's at? Um, and again, still stand for truth, but be willing to listen to them. Is that what the front looks like that you're putting forward? Or does it seem like you're completely closed off to any version of listening to the opposite. Yeah, it's very show. much looking at what he talked about earlier that we have this superiority idea and laying that down and saying for a minute, I'm going to I want to listen to the experience of mm-hmm. someone else. I want to listen to the the story of someone else and I want to hear how they arrived at how they believe like why they believe what they believe. And and just just in doing that and being willing to listen and learn from that and it's because it's not just listening audibly, it's it's learning from it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. too. Um, I think that begins to open up our perspective a little bit and to, and to give us an in to be able to then say, you know what, but we have a truth. We have a Absolutely. truth that's, that's, that's bigger than this that could give you hope. Right, right. You know, one practical way I think is what Adrian was saying with the meal aspect is removing from the emotional charged situation and having a a like face-to-face, story-to-story meal together, um, just type of interaction with a person Mm -hmm. that you disagree with. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we have a responsibility to sharpen one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think that's what Adrian was saying is that if you witness this, this, um, this happening among the people that you know are in Christ with you, sharpen them. Mm -hmm. Sharpening causes sparks. It does. So, (laughs) Sharpen them, but do it in a way that is loving and humble and in a way that you can um, mentor and, and, and be Christ to them, too. And I think that's the hardest thing to it do. It is hard. That's the, when we're sitting around from someone and we know they say something that may be a reflection of where their heart's at on this issue, yeah. to find a way to say, let's talk about it. And yeah. so I really appreciated saying, separate the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't get your jab in and say, hey, let's sit down and talk about this later. But do talk about it. 
you know, because we, I think we need that. We need to understand again, how deeply rooted, um, these sins may be in our life to where we're not even aware of it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And be willing to be instructed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I forget that piece often, you know? Because, I mean, again, it comes back to the the whole thing at the beginning. Um, God's word is never wrong. Yeah. Number one. But we could be wrong. Yes. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, and and that's the thing, like, like just coming at a conversation like that with the perspective of, wow, I I need to broaden my understanding. Um, I need to listen. I need to, I need to be a better listener and to learn from other people and understand I may not have everything right. Yeah. You and know? we're not and we're not even saying going into the conversation assuming that they are right. Yes. We're exactly. just saying are you willing to listen to their, you know, where they're at, what they're expressing and then take it back to scripture and then present here's what true what's yeah. true. Yes. You know, are you willing to walk that process or is it like you're closed off to even listening to them? Exactly. And I think that's um that's the front that I think sometimes people are seeing which is causing them to turn to other voices that are willing to listen. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's a much better way to say it. I didn't say it quite as clear. <laughs> so, no, no, I just think that's good. I mean, I mean, I just have the, it's, it's such a simple picture, but I have the picture of, you know, um, like I've been watching all American. I've told you guys that, but it's like you have, you have in certain contexts and societies, there's the schools, the teachers, the, the churches that often don't seem to be listening to the struggles of these, you know, young African-American men. So where do they turn to? They turn to the gangs because mm-hmm. they listen. Mm-hmm. They're not bought in. I mean, everything they're doing is wrong, but the front of listening is what presented the opportunity for conversation. Yeah. And so it's like, do we present listening ears or do we present a closed off mindset that's not willing to understand their experience? And then we never get to have the fruitful conversation that we could have with someone. Right. Um, I think that's, that's what we need. That's what our posture needs to be in this situation is, Hey, I'm not validating <laughs> everything you're doing, right. but I'm willing to listen to you. Um, yeah. And I think that begins again, I don't want to get too deep into this, but that's what he's saying if we're really walking out this idea that every person is an image bearer. And mm-hmm. so we're looking at them and there's this non-conditional stance that, you know, this person is made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Now they may not be in Christ. Now there's this other layer he's talking about where like when they're in Christ, there's some really cool expressions of different people from different races worshiping God differently. But even if they're not in Christ, they're made in the image of God. And so therefore it's like they have worth. Yes. They have worth to us. And we should be willing to listen to every person and try to show them what a life in Christ yeah. would look like. And I think too, I mean, people have pain and um they have suffered in ways that we don't understand, that have mm-hmm. shaped them and have mm-hmm. and have and have molded their worldview. Stepping into that just a little bit, I think goes a long way with people to just to hear and understand the things that, that people are going through. Um, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a huge game changer for people. And I think as soon as people see that you are willing to listen and just step into that a little bit with them, I think that's all that we're really asking is like, is there a willingness to hear somebody else's perspective and somebody else's side? Because it could radically change the way you see this. I mean, you put a face to something, it changes the way that you think about it. And I'm not accusing, I'm not accusing anybody of, you know, being racist Mm -mm. at all. I'm very far and I'm not endorsing anything Black Lives Matter is doing. What I'm saying is, is there a willingness and a posture to listen to another human being and what they've gone through and then to have the opportunity to share with them um, what justice is offered in Christ. That's right. Mm-hmm. Being an, an ambassador, not for mm-hmm. any other any other kingdom but Christ. Yeah. 
So like we did last week, we just want to answer some of the questions that have been floating around that have um, come across our plate in the week. And this week, Chris has a question. <laughs> yeah. We're going to try to answer and hopefully you can glean some oh, man. insight. From the from the pages of social media. Here we go. <laughs> and uh, this is what it said. It said, why when Jesus talks about feeding the poor, it's Christianity. But when a politician does it, it's socialism. So I wanted to throw that out to you guys today. Mic drop. <laughs> Where's your cricket? I just got them all. <laughs> so it seems like the quote, the question that's being asked is drawing a parallel between, you know, feeding the poor from one motivation as a Christian and feeding the poor from one, another motivation as a, as an act of legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the question is, is, is that different? Um, is, is there a difference there? Is there, is there something that we need to address there as Christians? Well, I think there is something that we need to address as Christians. We aren't going to have all the answers on it, but I think that it's it's worth a shot. So, okay. um, actually, I want to hear from Mitch first. Just <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Wade into the deep waters. I'm going to set it up, and then I'm going to toss okay. it to you. I, I think there's a few things that, that we can talk about with this. Yeah. I, I think one is is like talking about effectiveness um, with this, but I want to hold that till the end because that's the least interesting to me. Okay. But I think the first thing that we talk about is okay, who is who is Jesus talking to and what is he talking about? And um, Jesus, when he's often speaking, he's speaking about what his kingdom looks like. Um, what does the kingdom of God look like on earth? And so he's giving instructions, um, which likely to, to those followers of him that then become the church. And so he's actually talking about what are the functions of the church supposed to be in society. Right. So um, in this time in the world, um, in the first century where people are cr- incredibly oppressed and there are many people that are just, you know, kicked to the curb in society, um, these kind of people that are on the outskirts, Jesus is giving instruction to saying that church, it is your role to meet these people's needs. Mm-hmm. It is your job to care for the poor, mm-hmm. to care for the widow, to care for the elderly. That is your role in society. That is your job. And so it's really interesting because um, in different portions of the history of the world, really the church has done that incredibly well. Yeah. Some ways that you may not even realize. Um, so we talked earlier in the podcast, we talked about homeless shelters. Um, yeah. We talked about how um, homeless shelters actually began as an effort of the church. Mm-hmm. Hospitals, Hospitals began yeah. as an effort of the church. Yeah. Um, you've maybe seen this post floating around where they're talking about a plague and I can't remember which one, but they're saying that the Christians were the ones who actually stayed back mm-hmm. and took care of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so my understanding of Jesus's presentation of what a healthy society under God is to look like, not calling America that, but just any society that's fulfilling the kingdom mindset yeah. is that the church's role is to meet the needs and it's not necessarily the government's. Mm-hmm. So I think that's ideally what it would be. Yeah. So the thing that, that brings that brings to mind for me with, with that is, because I, I agree, and I think that ultimately what that does for a society is if the government is the one that's providing those services for, 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 for people then what it does is it forces the society to ha- to put their hope in that government versus if the church does it then what it does is it is it makes people see that their hope is not in anything else but Christ mm-hmm. you know it's actually a better witness it's a better it, it's a it's it's a um, it drives people to the hope that we have in Christ ultimately and that we see that everything that's 
like just what James says, everything that's good and perfect comes from him. Uh, every blessing is from him. Um, and certainly it's a blessing to receive, you know, if you're, if you're hungry to receive food, mm-hmm. regardless of where it comes from. But there's something different about it coming from a Christian, coming from the church that then points you to the hope of the gospel. That's a, you know, that's a very different thing that's going on. At that yeah. Point. So I think you're, I think you're, I, I love, um, I love people's heart to care for the the poor, yes. to care for people's needs. Like I love the starting place. I just think their frustration is um, misdirected. Yeah. So it's like their frustration actually needs to be more, this is more with the church. You know, and say, okay, church, how are we engaging with these things in society? Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is, you know, there is business functions and people need to remember that, that like, hey, we got to pay to keep the AC on, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like, if this is a primary function of the church, okay, church, how are we doing this? Are we caring for those in our community? Are we meeting needs? Are we, are we helping people? And so I feel like your frustration is with everybody and how they're voting on the voting ticket, Mm -hmm. but it actually needs to be with, okay, how is the church functioning? Really quickly though, I think we need to address how is, how is what we are talking about here different than what some churches may be talking about with the social gospel? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, because that's a, that's a different movement in, in a lot of ways that I think that what we're talking about. So how might that be different? Yeah. So I don't know if you read, Tim Keller wrote a recent article that I think is really, really good on this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only read people writing about it okay. <laughs> from both sides. I've only heard, I've only heard people talking yeah. about it. Yeah. So, so yeah. I wish I would have done more reading for that coming yeah. in. But again, um, this is really important. This is really important. The way that we think about mission is that all that we are doing is attached to the work of Christ. Yes. Um, that we are just not meeting people's physical needs, but we're um, helping them see their spiritual needs. Yes. Um, and so this is why, you know, I've, I've, I've personally um, spoken to organizations that do water well projects around the world. Um, there are those that they build water wells and they're providing people water. And then there are those that build water wells and they're also providing people living water in Christ. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think there's a, that is what's, actually meeting somebody's needs, which again is why it's so important that these social justice initiatives are attached to the gospel, Yes, that they're central yes. to it because we're pointing people back to what their real needs are. The point, really, I think the key difference is understanding that um, when, we, when we help people, uh, you know, when we give them water, when we provide food, shelter, clothing, whatever it is, that it needs to be attached to the gospel because there is a greater need than the need that they are experiencing Absolutely. right now. And that the, the problem with the social gospel um, and what's happening in some of the, those churches is that um, it's not actually addressing that need. It's saying they're, what they're trying to, to perpetuate is that the gospel itself is helping other people. And that's not the gospel. That's actually Mm -hmm. the outworking of the gospel through Mm -hmm. the church. The gospel is the message of salvation for those who believe. It's the message that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and if, when, when we go and we, we serve others and care for others that needs to be coupled with the gospel message because that is the real need that gets spoken to when we do that. So, yeah. And I think, I think we have to ask ourselves, okay, why do people, um, why do people do that? 
Mm-hmm. Why do people buy into the social gospel? Again, I think it comes back to what do they see the church is doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm thankful that we've really tried to take some real growths in this area. I mean, oh, yeah. One of the two things that we think is really important in our church we call needs adoption, which literally means we're looking at the needs in our community and figuring out ways that we can meet them. Right. Um, but I mean, again, I, I don't know if that's the story for all the churches and that leads people to jump into this false gospel, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, yeah, exactly. And so I, I think we understand that. Um, and so I think, I think that's what, that's what it needs to be. Um, now again, one last tag I want to put on it, probably going a little long here, but <laughs> thinking about, um, you know, people who are unwilling to kind of see that we need to meet people's physical needs. Yeah. Um, so those, so someone who's raising the question and says, well, why, when the politician says this, are you like, oh no, we shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the right answer, if they were giving an answer would be because they don't think it's the most effective mm-hmm. and it's forced generosity mm-hmm. as Ariel pointed yeah. out earlier. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. It's forcing them to say, this is what you're going to do. And so people don't want to do that. Right. Yeah. But we still need to be willing to recognize, see the needs and then see how can we as a church um, meet people's physical needs coupled with the gospel. That's so it's right. like, do we have open? I hear the concern of the co- of the post, absolutely, because what yeah. they're saying is, why do people seem to not be listening to the needs in society? Yeah, even though Jesus is saying we should care for these things. Yeah, and I would say your anger is misguided. Yeah, and your anger needs to be more not your anger, but your frustration needs to be more directed at the church. Yeah, and the church should be figuring out how we can get better at stepping into those areas. Mm. It's convicting. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Well, hey, thanks for tuning into this politically charged uh, edition of the <laughs> yeah. Sunday Recap. Uh, we're glad you joined us. Hopefully this has been um, a helpful conversation to you. Again, if you have questions about anything that you heard today, uh, reach out to Dave Whitehead. At, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, That's so good. <laughs> well, no, no, yeah, uh, the, the thing about this all being convicting is we're speaking a lot on the areas that we own. So all of it's guided back to us. <laughs> like, yes. I'm the missions pastor. Yes, exactly. So I'm the one who has to figure these things out. So all the frustrations are like, yeah, Mitch, get better at this. Think harder about it, you know? Yeah. Well, reach out to us anytime. We would love to talk with you about these things because this is tough, tough stuff to talk about and tough stuff to wade through. So anyway, thanks for joining us. We hope that you will join us next time on the Sunday Recap.